0: This brings us to our second Bright Eyes song, which Joe is going to introduce. And this is I Will Be Grateful for This Day, originally released on the Sub Pop Singles Club in 2001, and then subsequently released on the compilation album Noise Floor in 2006. Take it away, Joe.
1: Okay, so um, this is, uh, this might actually be my favorite Bright Eyes song, or at least it's one of them. Um, And it kind of holds a sort of specific time and place in my in my brain a bit, you know, I, I equate it to a certain time. Um, I really like this one because it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, I, I sort of, I suppose later on than this, he did more songs with this slightly electronic or actually a fair few sort of more electronic vibe. This one, I remember reading an interview with him years ago and he was saying like, this was the first song where they'd really played around with sort of sample drums and sequences and that sort of stuff, Um which made it quite different when i first heard it it really stood out on the noise floor album where i heard it which is all outtakes and b-sides and stuff this really is quite different to anything else on it so it sort of begins with this big uh, sort of um sort of distorted drums going and then sort of breaks down and then and then this sort of very light guitar comes in there's just this sort of the verses are just like a I think it's an organ, but Kenneth will probably be able to tell me what it is. It's just, just, or, or keys or whatever, just doing four notes, descending, like, again again again.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a set of handbells.
1: Oh, is it? Is that what it is? No, yeah.
2: I, I just made that up totally. It's not a... Oh, right. It's a, it's <laughs> I was going to say, what is it? It's a, a, <laughs> a synthesized instrument. Uh, <laughs> a keyboard oh. instrument, yeah.
0: If you think it's an organ, Joe, Kenneth will definitely
1: all tell you what it is. Right, okay, lovely. Um, so, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, what's going on in the song? So it's, well, the, the delivery of it anyway, it's all kind of this glitchy little electronic noises going on behind as well. Um, and this sort of descending organ or whatever it is, it sort of, it sort of creates a kind of slightly oppressive feel, I think anyway. Um, but then the lyrics, it's got really, I think really beautiful lyrics. It's probably one of his slightly more straightforward songs in terms of, uh, the actual, story i guess so it's kind of the first verse is him i guess sort of reminiscing about an old um acquaintance or love and then um just talking about them sort of doing not much in particular really you know like smoking in the car and um having sex and whatever and then it sort of gets to the sort of chorusy bit where um it ends with this line you know um So you got ahead of me and I guess I'm still dragging behind. So I really like that as it's quite a sort of wistful first verse. He's sort of remembering this time and then being left behind. I think this is something that pops up a lot in these sorts of songs is the idea of other people moving on and you being left in that place, like the world turning and you being left where you are. It's a little bit like that. And then the second verse is sort of a bit bit sadder because then now he's talking about a friend who can't deal with what, what's going on in their lives and their their sort of situation so it turns to drugs it it says he put a needle in his arm to calm his handsome hell um and is I was, I was looking at this somebody was suggesting this was about elliot smith but i actually think this was out before elliot smith died so i don't think that's right but um but you could see why people would equate it to that it's got this sort of idea of this very tragic figure um and then sort of towards the end of this one then it's you sort of, the, the image really is of him, the speaker, you know, Conor Obis or whoever being sort of alone in the room and sort of imagining the presence of this, this person in the second verse, who's kind of presumably died. So, um so that's a pretty sort of a bit of a downer on that one. And then, um but then at the end, there's this sort of slightly defiant uptick at the end, I think, where he talks about finishing his own story. So it goes back to him. Um And how he'll sort of, he'll, I guess, like make his own meaning and make his own ending, which is, you know, a little bit more positive, but it doesn't really sound very positive. The whole song doesn't sound very positive to me, but, um, and then it's got the, you know, the beautiful, it says, I'll be grateful for this day. I will be grateful for each day to come. Um, which I suppose you could read in a few ways. I think you could read it as being just straight up and honest, you know, like sort of, um, he will genuinely be grateful for every day to come. And then I think you could also see it as being maybe a slightly cynical sort of take on that. Um, but for me, the big thing with this is it's about this. It's really about journeys. It's about passing of time, you know, you being left behind and and people leaving you, whether it be them moving on as in like moving town, presumably, or just getting a new life or, or or you know, not being able to cope with life and, and actually dying um and then this idea of then trying to sort of take some control back from it i think um but it's as much as anything it's just it's a a, an absolutely beautiful song i think the lyrics are great it's just got a lovely way that it that it sort of rolls along and that the the way that the lyrics are delivered um and it reminds me of a very specific time where it weirdly it it connected with everyone i was in i feel like i really got into this when i was in a shared house after university and it kind of connected with everyone. We were living in like real squalor <laughs> and it, you'd sort of be like, Oh, put, put some music on. And it was, you know, nearly all, always this song would come on. It felt like someone, whoever would just put it on. And it's sort of a weird song to sit around with your mates getting drunk to, you know? Um But then I suppose it's not at the same time. I think we were all feeling this weird transitional period where people are gradually growing up and leaving you behind. And we, we weren't, I mean, I vigorously wasn't growing up. I was, Um, Yeah, so you do get this feeling of being left behind. Um, There's probably a few more things I should have said. I've got some notes, but I'll I'll put it out to you guys and see what you think first.
0: Well, I'll do a quick one now before maybe Kenneth can tell you about The Descending Organ. Yeah, Um, okay. I think you're absolutely right with the um, sort of biographical notes in this one, Joe. The first verse seems to be about um, his former bandmate in a band called Park Avenue called Neely Jenkins, and I think he joined that band when he was 15 and she was five years older than him. So I think this is where this sort of notion that you're sort of ahead of me comes in and there's right. always, and I think that's quite sad, right? Does this sense that fate, or necessity or structure has kind of intervened to prevent him ever quite being able to kind of catch up and, and throughout mm. all of his sort of formative late teenage years, she was always sort of there as a sort of figure, but he was always just not quite with her just on the, the basis of age. Mm. And uh, the second verse, yeah, with Elliot Smith, it does sound like Elliot Smith, doesn't it? it changed his name, uh, yeah, like the drugs. But yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one that way. Uh, what did you think, Ken?
2: Yeah, I liked it I like this one a lot. It's one that I didn't know before, so I'm glad that Joe mentioned it. Um it, it is definitely a kind of classic organ. It's the same kind of organ sound and the same kind of descending sort of cyclical pattern that you get in um the, the really old songs like White A Shade of Pale and those kind of classic organ riffs. But also I was it also reminds me of that op uh Opus 40, the Mercury Rev song, which has got another sort of similar um organ descending line. Um the thing I particularly liked about that one though was um The aspect of musical rhythm uh which i mean joe talked a couple of times about the sense of time and this issue um or this this sort of metaphor if you like of one person acknowledging that they're dragging behind um it starts off where he says you know he wants to use his music to mimic the heartbeat Um, and that's like a kind of you know real bodily physical thing that he's trying to mimic and then the 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 drums start to clearly mimic that but it's all askew and it's you know it's it's nothing like a heartbeat really Um, and it's kind of an acknowledgement that it's kind of impossible to kind of replicate that in this kind of imaginary musical world that he's he's working on Um, but then the same kind of idea of being out of time with somebody else, out of step with them, um, I suppose perhaps through the lens of sorrow, uh, works its way out more symbolically as well as the kind of general, you know, I'm out of time with you. Um, You know, uh, our lives are going on at different paces, different patterns. Um, Somebody that's kind of, you know, unreachable because you can't sort of get in a rhythm with them. And this, I think it was a breakdown of rhythm in this one, I think, that interested me most. Um, But, yeah, a great song. really liked it. It was definitely sad it was quite heart-wrenching. But there we go.
0: Russell?
3: Well, I mean, the, the, the way I sort of ima- imagine this song is, is, is kind of sort of almost the flickering nature of the music behind it, it kind of makes me think of this kind of Super 8 style imagery so Conor burst sat in the dark room looking at this projector screen of these memories from the past you know, this this uh, lamenting, this relationship with this girl and then the bereavement of, of the guy in the, in the next verse and um, so that creates quite this kind of lonely, sad image, kind of looking back on the past. However, things, for me, I, I, I don't take the kind of cynical tact on the, the last verse and last few lyrics. I think, you know, the, the song changes tact entirely. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, acknowledging, um, you know, the the, the the uncomfortable experiences of the past. But then there's really a hopeful, you say defiant sort of message in, in the last verse of like, you know, despite this stuff, I'm going to make up my own ending. I'm going to sort of, you know, make life what it is. I'm going to, um, I will colour in the meaning. Um, so, we, you know, we, despite the, these kind of things happening in the past, which he, you know, laments about, he's in this position now where he's, he's, he's kind of working his way through when he's, he's ready to make a future for himself. So that kind of, <laughs> up until that point, it's a sad song. But, but, but after that point, I, I was left feeling this kind of like almost... Um, triumphant sort of you know we can do this sort of thing feeling by the end of it which kind of moved it from being a sad song to quite a positive a positive one for me so um, I guess you know you, you could take the, the cynics view on that one but for me it was it was a positive and it really shifted the meaning of the song for me um, so yeah I mean that, that's what I thought of the song I, I love the song I think it's uh, a brighter song that's probably not heard, had uh, been heard as much as it should have and uh, mm. the lyrics fantastic and I, I i think it's brilliant
0: one of the things that we can pick out in in this song and will be a bridge to the next one when we get to it is how in these bright eyes songs um certainly in this period and i might say something about this a bit later um what happens in the next period certainly in this period there's almost like a cluster of stories that he keeps coming back to i mean Not maybe in the album Fever's and Mirrors. In Fever's and Mirrors, it's almost like his sort of university album. I think he went to university for a, a few semesters and studied English. And that seems to be the one where he's obsessed by sign and symbolism and what you can do by picking out this sort of bag of symbols and then running them through all the songs. But in the stuff that he does before that, And the stuff that he does after that for a few years, we can see there are these few stories that keep um, cropping up over and over again. And one of them is this sort of Neely Jenkins song uh, story, which we'll see in Nothing Gets Crossed Out, When I Fell Under the Weight of a Schoolboy Crush, Started Carrying a Box and Doing Loads of Drugs. It kind of comes back there. Messenger Bird song. It's in quite quite a lot of the different songs. And there's other things. This um, sort of near-death experience he has with a panic attack and ends up in a Chicago hospital, and uh, a few other things about his brother and about Tim Kasher. And we get to see these scenes sort of repeat. Well, not really repeat, but we get to see a story being sort of almost like a jigsaw. You get a little bit in one song, then a little bit in another song. And when you put them all together, you can kind of get a a big picture of what what was really going on. And we have talked about whether, you know, a sad song has to map onto a, a real sadness. And... Um, I've got to say for a young man, he he played the hand that he'd been dealt up to this point really well and managed to kind of mint it into, um, quite a lot of sad songs. Should we have some final thoughts, Joe, or some intermediate thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think one thing you're saying about the stories, yeah, I think that, that grounds it. And he, there's one thing that he always sounds completely convincing. I think Conor Obis, I think he's very good at that. And it's often because you do see these these trains in this period, like you say, that's quite interesting, that you do see these stories and ideas that pop up again and again and again. And some of them I didn't know they were referencing. That one, about, I didn't know this. The, the first verse was about the bandmate until I did see it today when I was looking at comments on it. Um, I almost just quite like not knowing who this was about. But you can see why people think, you know, Elliot Smith for the second verse. But the other thing I was going to say was the um, the defiance we spoke about at the end. What I like, about it if you like and what I find quite sad about that is that it sort of is defiant but it's not really delivered very defiantly it's almost like as much defiance as he can muster um you know what I mean if that makes sense so yeah that's my thing I think it's an absolutely incredible song I find it baffling that it's not one of his really popular ones really um but it's it is a bit different to a lot of his other stuff so maybe that's it